Welcome back to the best college football pick and pod in the land. We're coming to you from bellyupsports.com as always. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black, and we are here with you for a Pick'em Rewind, discussing some of the highs and lows of bowl season here, closing out the 2021-22 season. Alan, welcome back in. How are you? How was the break? And uh, I hope you've survived what has been a busy, chaotic bowl season. Oh my goodness. We have survived the many cancellations. My life has not been canceled by COVID exposures or anything like that up to this point, unlike several of the bowl games. And um, yeah, really excited to dive in for one last game of the year. And then we have to set our sights on the brand new season that starts in August, which is exciting as well. Absolutely it is. If you're not super familiar with the show, understand this is a rewind. What we do in this episode is we take a look back at the previous action. During the regular season, it's just one week at a time, and we're looking at 10 games. This time, we happen to be looking at 37 games, but we're going to kind of do it <laughs> in fast-forward motion. We're going to glance at just some of the highlights, lowlights of our pick on board, and then uh, we're going to discuss the national championship game in more depth over in our Pick'em Pod, which when you're listening to this, it's either already out or will be out soon. And that's where we're going to give you some tips on who to pick in the national championship. We're also going to give you some tips on the tiebreaker. That is the total score prediction for the national championship between Georgia and Alabama. And uh, those things are important because those people who finish in the top five walk away from the best college football pick and pod in the land with some prizes. And Alan, I know there's not a lot of opportunities for it, but I have seen some max scores out there that could indicate there could be a couple of ties here and there, depending on how picks lay out. So that tiebreaker could be very important for a handful of people. Oh, exactly. It takes like two seconds to fill that tiebreaker out at the bottom of the page. Go and put in that tiebreaker score because you don't want to be sent home without a prize but just because you forgot to do that that is absolutely correct now alan if you're ready for it let's go ahead and jump into the rewind portion of the show let's run it back all right it feels like forever ago alan and i were just talking before we started the recording it feels like it's been a couple of months since we've talked but really it's just been a few weeks but it all started back on friday december 17th and alan that first weekend I felt like pulling my hair out a few times because it really felt like there were any number of things that could and would go wrong in the early stages of a pick'em contest when you're laying points on favorites and upsets are happening. We saw it go down on Friday, December 17th with MTSU knocking off Toledo. Right after that, Coastal Carolina came through in a squeaker against Northern Illinois, 47-41. And then it went into the next day, early on Saturday, when Jackson State fell to South Carolina State. Not even Deion Sanders could stop that one from happening. And after those results, man, Allen, I think you and I were probably in about the same boat. I really felt like I was on dangerous ground in terms of my pick and board completely falling apart just in those first few games. Absolutely. At that point, the Jackson State game was like a 41 or something on my board. And uh, the Toledo game was like a 38. And then, of, of course, we had several games canceled. So the numbers got a little bit less, but they're still two of my top 
like five games and to lose that in the first essentially three or four days was brutal and quite frankly took away the capacity to hang with some of the top guys as they've surged on the back end of this with so many maximum points and uh yeah we knew at that point that this was going to be a wild and wacky showing in those first few games we had multiple double digit favorites fall and alan this is something that i took note of in that mtsu toledo game that was the very first bowl game on that friday you had mentioned this during the regular season you warned about it on championship weekend when we had a couple of friday night games and you said hey we've seen this thing before in these pick'em contests with espn sometimes when somebody misses a game early it actually comes out to benefit them especially if somebody's willing to lay a lot of points on an early matchup and then there's an upset we saw a lot of that in that toledo matchup they fall the people who got their picks in early a lot of people who pay attention to point spreads and how these teams match up with one another had 30 plus points on toledo they fall and those people that miss getting the picks in early had one point sacrifice for that game and for a couple of people that was a big advantage in working them up toward the top of the group it's been a huge help for some of those folks earlier in the bowl games that missed at least the first game or two or it's not that they didn't pick it's just that they picked in essentially chronological order sure and so that was their one game and um you know one of my tips was keep some of the ones you really know up higher and the ones you're not, even though it may be a big favorite, keep them lower. And I didn't do that. I didn't heed my own (laughs) advice and I got kicked right in the coin pouch because of it. Oh man. Everybody got hit pretty hard when you were putting any points on Toledo. I was a little bit fortunate with this one because when we had 44 matchups on the board, like you said, with some of the games getting canceled, I actually had 10 games up above this one and it didn't quite end up working out with that that exact way with the cancellations. But out of the 38 games we ended up with, I think I had maybe a 32 on Toledo. So I still had a decent number of single-digit favorites that I favored up above Toledo in this one. But I, I could have benefited a little bit more maybe had we had all 44 games on the board initially. Right. I think that's part of the fun is, you know, we would have had a, a little more cushion to maybe make a, a comeback here or there with another pick. But those games, as other ones left the board, became more and more valuable. Alan, it continued for me in a bad way in the next bowl matchup. I had Appalachian State beating Western Kentucky. I went against my gut. I went with my head instead of my heart, and it really cost me as I went with the Mountaineers, but they fell to Western Kentucky with Bailey Zappi in that high-flying passing attack. I believe, if I'm right, you got this one correct, and there were a number of people who did, but at the end of the day, I was certainly wishing I had gone with the Hilltoppers. Oh, yeah. And that one was one that actually ended up getting right, though it was literally my number one pick. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't have a lot of confidence in it, but golly, Western Kentucky and and Tyson Helton, they were really impressive. And I haven't seen many people beat Appalachian State like that in the past decade. You know, so you can't expect something like that. But that was one that actually finally ended up falling in my favor after a rough start to the the bull picks. I'm glad it did go in your favor, Alan. It wasn't until that one got done with that things really started turning my way. I took a little bit of a flyer Saturday morning that week 
Uh, it really wasn't until finally that day that I decided to take UAB over BYU. And uh, there were a lot of people who had BYU in their mid-30s, even touching their 40s when we still had 44 games on the board. But BYU falls to UAB 31-28. And even though I didn't put a lot of points on the Blazers, that was a big, big result for me in catching up with a lot of people who had scored some early points on some of those matchups that I missed. Oh, yeah. Those are some of those opportunities that you kind of wish could fall the right way, you know? A couple of predictable matchups that uh, a lot of people scored a lot of points on. Fresno State over top of UTEP, even though that one was closer than I had in my mind. I thought it would be. And Liberty over Eastern Michigan. Alan, by this point, I kind of felt like things were moving my direction, and I was recovering a little bit from my slow start. Yeah, Liberty was pretty darn impressive. They just did exactly what they needed to do. Hugh Freeze had his team ready with Malik Willis and company. And at, at that point, you kind of get your feet, you know, under you a little bit. It's like, okay, we're moving in the right direction now. <laughs> Definitely. And Alan, you were absolutely moving in the right direction when your first value pick came up. This was again on Saturday, December 18th. You on our previous pick and pod took Utah State over Oregon State. You pushed them up in value. You told everybody to do the same. I did not follow you. I went with the Beavers, but it came out in your favor. You hit on your first value pick with Utah State picking up a 24-13 win, and that was despite the loss of Logan Bonner, the quarterback for Utah State, and uh, Cooper Lega came into the game, and he performed very, very well as well. So Utah State comes away with the win, and this is one that I'm sure you had to be feeling really good about after that first weekend. Yeah, at that point, I was like, okay, maybe I can, you know, really start to to get some things moving in the right direction. Coach Anderson is an incredible coach, and I think you saw how important he was to even an Arkansas State program this year when big old dummy Butch Jones went into Jonesboro, Arkansas, and won like two games <laughs> when they've won like 10 games for the past five years. Allen, moving on to the next week right before Christmas, we had Tulsa beating Old Dominion. No surprise there, 30-17. to We had San Diego State beating UTSA, 38-24. I thought that was a pretty big swing game, and we can touch on that here in a second. And we also had Wyoming beating Kent State, 52-38. to But, Allen, I'll go back to that San Diego State matchup, the 14-point win for the Aztecs. In that one, I put the Aztecs at a pretty high value because I had heard about UTSA missing Sincere McCormick, their star running back. But then, even as I watched the game, it sounded like UTSA was missing a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I think I kind of lucked out on this one a little bit because I think it was really a pretty competitive game. And if the Roadrunners had had more of those guys on the field, they may have kept it even or maybe UTSA even coming out with a win. Yeah, and I had this one pretty low because I knew that McCormick wouldn't be there, but I didn't know about some of the other guys. And I kept San Diego State low. This was one that I wasn't entirely positive about because this was two powerhouses in the group of five from this past year and ended up coming out on the right side, but had it very, very low, but a, a fun game to watch and be part of. Another value pick that we had come out early in the Pick'em Contest was one of mine. It was on Wednesday, December 22nd. That was Army over Missouri. But man, this was a wild game. I know yeah. you were with me. The Black Knights came out and got the win, got us some points. But this thing was dicey late. Missouri took the lead. And if I remember right, it was with like maybe a minute and a half to go. And I sat around looking at everybody going, uh-oh, 
I just lost big on this one. But I think Army benefited from a penalty, maybe a personal foul in there late on that last drive, and they just got enough out of that passing offense to get down the field and set up for a last-second field goal to win the game. A long last-second field goal at that. I think it was like a 40-plus yarder. And I remember thinking, what in the world is Munkin doing? He bungled the last couple of minutes and uh, the way that he handled the clock management. And quite frankly, we saw plenty of that over bowl season. I'm not sure coaches know how to read clocks. You know, it, it's unbelievable some of the mismanagement that we've seen. But this one was one that it worked out in the end, and I was sure glad because I had him up there too. I had him at a 35. And so I'm grateful to come away with those points. It definitely was needed for that good result in the pick'em board and in the standings. We roll into the 23rd. We had a couple of games go down with Miami of Ohio beating North Texas 27-14. And Alan, a value pick that I gave was I said, do not put stock in the Florida Gators. Unfortunately, I still sided with Florida, though it was at a value under a 10, like I talked about on the previous pick'em pod. But you, sir, went on the other side with UCF, and it came out to your benefit with the Knights winning 29-17. to That's a game that was really very close for a half, but UCF ultimately really pulled away there in the second half. They did. Florida didn't like being punched in the nose. UCF really wanted to be there. They had a lot to play for. I think Gus Malzahn knew that this was an important opportunity for them and the trajectory of their program. And they just took advantage of the fact that Florida had a depleted roster. They had a quarterback that can't throw the football in Emory Jones. Obviously, Dan Mullen didn't coach that game. So because of that, it, there was just a lot of a lot of things in my mind that kept saying, I, I think UCF is the pick, even though they didn't have somebody like a Dylan Gabriel who had been out since early in the season. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense that from a momentum or a motivation perspective, we didn't talk about a ton about that on the pick and pod, but UCF is one of those programs that has always been dying to get their shots at those other Florida programs. You know, they've tried to work out deals with home and home schedules. They've been denied an awful lot, but there's certainly got to be a lot of motivation for a group of five team from that state that's going up against one of the big boys inside the state of Florida. Oh, exactly. This is a huge opportunity for them. Um, and, you know, as they move into the Big 12 in a couple of years, their recruiting footprint is going to expand and the ability maybe to go toe to toe against some of these guys, including the Florida, that the, they may recruit more directly against them. This is, this is an important win for them. No doubt about it, Alan. Let's move on to Christmas Day where we saw Georgia State come away with a 51-20 to win over Ball State. I don't think we're going to have a lot to say about that one, so we can touch on it if you want to, but let's go ahead and fast forward also to the Monday following on the 27th with Western Michigan on top of Nevada, 52-24. And let me tell you, if you are in these contests and want to have success, this is a prime example of why you pay attention to opt-outs. Nevada was missing everybody offensively, and because of that, it was late in the process that I moved Western Michigan way up in value. I stuck them up in the high 20s, low 30s, something like that, and it really paid dividends for me and a number of others who put a lot of weight on Western Michigan coming away with this win. You absolutely nailed this one, and I had it right, but I had this one low. I knew that Carson Strong was not going to be playing, but there was also kind of a deluge of other opt-outs, which put it over the top. 
and I wish I would have pushed this one higher, but at least still went with Western Michigan because of that. Yeah, I was fortunate that I was tracking very closely with some of these matchups early this week because in this one, I'm with you. I knew about Carson Strong missing. You know, there's a lot of people who believe he's a first-round quarterback going into the NFL, so I thought that was a big deal, but they've been really good throwing the ball all year, so I thought, well, maybe a backup could come in and still have some success, but then I heard about Romeo Dubs, their top wide receiver, sitting this game out. Cole Turner, their top tight end, second leading receiver, opting out. And I heard that there were a number of other players as well. I don't know exactly who they were, but that was enough for me just hearing about those three guys. And once I heard that, I was like, all right, I'm going Western Michigan, but I am putting everything in them right now, barring just a few handful of point values higher. I really wanted to load up on Western Michigan, and and I'm certainly glad I did. Yes, it was a heck of a pick, dude. All right, on the 28th of December, Alan, I was out and about with some people, so I was tracking scores in these games, but I didn't see a couple of these early ones. Houston defeated Auburn 17-13. I had the Cougars in this one, but at a low value. It actually, this is a funny one, where I think it actually may have benefited me more if Auburn had won this game because I had Houston at a low value, but because they had such a good regular season record, there were a bunch of people who had the Cougars in a high 20 value, somewhere in the low 30s. So to me, it might have actually gone to my benefit if Auburn had won this game uh, because I think I had it much much more properly valued than a lot of the people in the contest, but a lot of people benefited from a very, very close win. Jeez. Auburn had so many freaking chances to win this game. If I'm an Auburn fan, I would be furious at this game. I think Brian Harson got outclassed in every single fashion. TJ Finley is not the answer. And if he is, then he needs to be healed by Jesus before the next season. So he can move forward and be a much, much better quarterback. And they still should have won the game. They were clearly the better team. But as Bill Parcells used to say, you are what your record shows. And they lost this game and had no business losing it, in my opinion, even though they were six and six and Houston was 11 and two. Makes a lot of sense. Alan, another one that I did not see a lot of, but was a value pick for you. Air Force beat Louisville 31 to 28. And as I was tracking it, again, not seeing much of it, it seemed like Air Force was very much in control of this game, even more so than that three-point margin of victory would indicate. They were. They were got up to 14 to nothing. They really had control of this game all the way through. And Louisville scores a quick TD very, very late in the game to make it a three-point game. It's one of those kind of backdoor covers. Makes it look closer than it really the rest of the game was. Air Force was really good. The Surf Academies played great, in my opinion, and showed themselves very well. And that's something that we talked about here on the podcast. We talked about putting a lot of stock in those guys and uh, looking to get some points with them against their opponents that don't stop the run very well. And it definitely benefited and was a good pick on both sides of those service academies in these games. Agreed. Alan, maybe the worst value pick of all. I went with Mississippi State over Texas Tech. I thought I had a lot of reasons to do so, but the Red Raiders dominated 34-7. to If I remember correctly, I think Mississippi State had a lot of guys out on the defensive side of the ball, and that was one that I think I did not know about until very, very late, maybe even after kickoff. So I didn't get word of this one soon enough, other than maybe a few hints, and I had dropped them a little bit in value. I tried to let everybody know on the email newsletter being sent out, but this one is a very costly one for a lot of people. 
um, including myself. I had Mississippi State at a 36. I had no clue that they had had so many opt-outs, COVID situations, just all of those kinds of things happen on the defensive side. They just didn't look like they wanted to be there. And kudos to Texas Tech. They came out under Sonny Cumbie's leadership before he goes. I think Louisiana Tech is he's where he's going to be the head coach next year. And they just dog whipped them. And it was quite embarrassing for the Pirate, in my opinion, going against his former team, who he had just said, I think maybe like a day or two prior, that they still owe him money. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, as we continue on, Minnesota defeated West Virginia in kind of a snooze fest, 18-6. The next day, we had Oklahoma over Oregon, 47-32. That's one we talked about on the podcast as well. I gave it as a value pick, not putting a lot of stock in either one of these teams. Turns out Oklahoma was very much in control of the game, and you were benefited if you put a lot of points on the Sooners. But I liked my pick, but... You know, I don't know how well it stood up based on how the game played out, but I was happy I was on Oklahoma as well. Big game Bob came back for one last game, and he really is an incredible coach. And he got a pretty little paycheck to do so, right? Heck yeah, he did. <laughs> they, they forced it upon him, but uh, <laughs> hey, good for him for coming back and bringing home a win before the whole program entered the transfer portal no doubt alan another value pick that this time we were both wrong on clemson over iowa state 20 to 13 this one was pretty close for a long time a pick six really gave clemson the separation it needed to be able to hang on for a seven point win i ended up going with the cyclones at a lower value than we talked about on the podcast so i still went with them i had them at a single digit value but alan man this one hurt you pretty bad as you had the cyclones pretty high This one was where I essentially realized that I wasn't going to be able to compete near the end with people having so many points still available. And is there anyone in college football that has been more disappointing and more mediocre this year than Brock Purdy? I mean, no offense to the young man, but he literally played patty cake with the football and knocked it (laughs) forward for a pick six. Yep. I mean, you can't do that. And that's the difference in the freaking game. This was a game that I really locked into and watching it was infuriating. The difference in this game was not that Brees Hall didn't play. The difference in this game is that Brock Purdy just laid an absolute egg. And in every single loss this year that Iowa state had, he's the reason You know, when you go back, it's always uh, Brock Purdy just turned the ball over too many times, you know, and that's that was it. And it happened again for me six times. Then shame on me and shame on everybody for letting me do it. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, man. I mean, it was a turnover deal against Iowa early in the season. It was the turnover late in the first half against Oklahoma in that loss that we were both pegging Iowa State for the win in and like you said just batting the ball forward when your sole job on a batted ball up in the air is to go up and knock it straight down to the ground and it turns into a pick six that really shouldn't have been there it was a it was a big turn and gave Clemson a two touchdown lead and what who knows what could have happened maybe an overtime game uh, maybe somebody winning on a field goal late Iowa State would have certainly had a chance there late at least they probably would have had an opportunity or two with the ball to be able to take the lead and maybe win the game if it weren't for that pick six. 
yeah, you can't play Olympic sand volleyball with it, you know, and, and knock it over the net. Like that's ridiculous. I've never even seen anything like that before. And I watch a lot of football, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm I'm still angry about it. (laughs) Most definitely. Alan, another one where opt-outs were a big deal, Maryland over Virginia tech, 54 to 10. This is one that you just had to be clued into. Virginia tech had a lot of guys out and uh, I moved Maryland up as about as high as I could when I heard news about this one at the beginning of the pick'em contest, when I was strategizing things, I had Maryland at a very, very low value, but I ended up banking some points on this one just because of some of the late information coming out. Yeah, that was a heck of a pick on your end. I had Maryland as well, but much lower in value. I had them at a nine. Um, felt pretty good about that. And um, Talia Tungavalola was really, really good in this game. And you could tell Maryland has weapons all over the place with Rakeem Jarrett and several other fellows just playing really, really well on offense. And Virginia Tech didn't have their starting quarterback from all year, Burmeister, who entered the transfer portal. They said during the broadcast that he said he wanted to play, and the coach, rightly in my opinion, said, "Uh, no thanks. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's like, we don't need your services anymore which I appreciate. I think it's the right move. Like, no, you're, you're not committed anymore. So that's been like Judas coming back and being part of the disciples. No, thank you. (laughs) Alan, another value pick that you hit on was Michigan state over top of Pittsburgh. Now, if you listen to the last pick and pod, you might've heard Alan say that he was picking Pittsburgh, but again, that was a contingent pick on the presence of Kenny Pickett, but once his opt-out came through, you rightly switched your pick over to Michigan State. That was documented on Twitter. We also put that information out on the newsletter. I did the exact same thing, and with a 31-21 win, this was a big one to go on Michigan State, one that we saw a lot of picks on both sides in this one. I think it gives you a pretty darn great appreciation for how good Kenny Pickett was this year because they looked awfully average without him. And I think it gives you an appreciation for the kind of program Mel Tucker's building that even without Kenneth Walker, they still played a pretty good game. Definitely. Alan, one that hit a lot of people in a bad way, but I believe helped you out with South Carolina defeating North Carolina in a border war, 38-21. Man, this one was stunning to me. I was kind of keeping an eye on this one on a car ride back to Chattanooga. So I was able to watch a little bit of it here and there. And it was the first couple of drives where I went, oh no, this thing does not look like it's headed a good direction. And sure enough, not. North Carolina showed a little bit of life here and there, but they just never had enough to come back against the Gamecocks. Uh, No, they absolutely did not. South Carolina was really locked in. You could tell they had had some great bowl practices, put together some really neat offensive schemes, brought in a wide receiver to play some quarterback, had stuff drawn up. They were laser focused, and this one, even after the you know first quarter, really wasn't all that close. But it, like you said, it benefited me because I had South Carolina at a ten. I anticipated after a long year for North Carolina that was kind of like Iowa State was a huge disappointment. They just weren't focused enough. Fair enough. So you legitimately were going with this one because you thought South Carolina was going to win the game. The only reason I'm saying that, I'm not accusing you of you know, just guessing, but I, I think the other side would be that if you thought you had taken enough hits 
on the negative side and missing picks that this was one that you thought maybe had some good odds of flipping the other way? I actually had this one the whole time. Nice. I didn't, yeah, I did not switch it based upon that. This one was one that I had because I legit thought South Carolina was going to win this game. Very, very nice. I like it. Alan, yeah. maybe turning our attention to the most controversial finish of bowl season, Purdue. That's what Tennessee does. <laughs> <laughs> Purdue defeating your Tennessee Volunteers 48-45 in overtime. Man, this one was gut-wrenching. I know it had to be, but, man, this was one that you could have picked either side, certainly. Early in bowl season, I was leaning toward Purdue a little bit, but with David Bell sitting out on the offensive side, with George Karloftis sitting out on the defensive side, I thought, surely I'm going to go with Tennessee, and surely I'm going to get this one right. But, man, a back-and-forth game that went down to the wire. This is another one that I only saw a little clips of here and there, certainly not the whole thing, but it seemed like it was a fascinating game. It was an unbelievable game. Tennessee gets out to a great start, 21-10 to 10 at the end of the first quarter, and then does absolutely nothing in the second quarter. And they were their own worst enemy, including a sack fumble given up with less than two minutes left to allow Purdue to go into halftime leading the game. Then, of course, you know, this game lasted like five hours. It was a Peter Jackson film, you know, Lord of the Rings extended edition and just absolutely bonkers. I'm still angry about it. As soon as the game was over, I went and charred some burgers on the grill because I'm like, if my soul is charred, so will my burgers. <laughs> um, and Tennessee just got robbed. They got robbed of the touchdown. I don't know if they win it. But at the same time, Josh Heupel is one of the great perpetrators of bad clock management at the end of the game. He had no reason to be kicking a 50-something yarder when he had the opportunity to, to get closer and instead threw two deep balls, even though one of those deep balls there was pass interference on. So much to unpack, but I took the L. This one really, really, really hurt, and it, it's one of the reasons why I had no chance to actually win the whole thing because I had Tennessee at 31. Yeah, understandable. I think I had him at a similar value, maybe in my high to mid-20s, something like that, so just a touch under what you did. But there were a lot of people who had Tennessee at that level. There were a lot of people who had Purdue on the other side as well. So it was a game that really was very important for swinging people up or down in the standings. Alan, another value pick that you hit on was Wisconsin over Arizona State. They get the win 20-13. to 13. This is one that Wisconsin really looked in complete control in the first half. Things kind of started to turn in the second half, but the Sun Devils never had enough to quite make the comeback against Wisconsin. Yeah, defensively, they are just too good. So I had full confidence in the Badgers, and they looked the part. Definitely the case. As we forward our way into New Year's Eve, one big one that we had was Wake Forest against Rutgers. This is one of the weird situations we had where this was supposed to be Wake Forest, Texas A&M. I gave a value pick early on before the bowl season began, laying a lot of points on Texas A&M. But before you knew it, there was a whole bunch of COVID stuff going on with the Aggies. And kind of last minute, there was a cancellation kind of a week before this game. Then Rutgers fills in. And I tried to give everybody information on this one that, hey, I'm flipping my pick. I'm going to the other side. I just thought there is no way that this Rutgers team coming off of a 5-7 and seven season where they're all sitting at home, no practice, and then have about a week to prepare for this game. I thought there was no way they'd be able to defend this Wake Forest offense. And sure enough, that proved out with a 38-10 to 10 win for the Demon Deacons. 
they're just too good, right? Just too good for a five and seven team that's overall not great. Nonetheless, I'm glad Wake Forest got to play that game. They deserved the chance to play that game, and kudos to them for getting a big old win. Definitely. Alan, when we talk about the college football playoff semifinals that happened on New Year's Eve, we're going to touch on this a little bit more in our pick pod, so we won't do too much with it here. But man, complete control for Alabama, complete control for Georgia, sets up a rematch from the SEC championship game, 27-6. It was Alabama's victory over Cincinnati. Georgia really crushed Michigan 34-11. to uh, You want to give a couple of brief thoughts on those before we really dive into it a little bit deeper on the pick pod? Those were two games that we pegged here on the podcast previously. We knew Bama was the better team, and so which is why we had them. I think both of us had them really high. And then I was less certain of Georgia, but that was the best game Georgia had played all year. They wanted to make a statement to college football that they were back and better than ever. So it should make for an interesting, albeit repetitive, national championship game. Yeah, I'm with you. I think there could be a lot of interesting stuff that goes down. I really wish we had a different set of teams playing each other, but I'm okay with it because I think they are the two best teams in the country. Yeah, they are. And it sucks that that's the case, but it is very much the case. So you do what you can and uh, we'll see if it plays out differently. Yeah. Alan, New Year's Day, I think maybe was our best bowl day individually throughout all of bowl season. We had a wild one with Oklahoma State beating Notre Dame 37-35 where the Cowboys trailed by 21 points in this game, and they looked like they were dead in the water before they come storming back and win this thing in the second half. Yeah, just a, a wild, wild game. I don't know what else to say. Just, just bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a big win. That was one that I picked with the Cowboys, but I had them at a relatively low value. Man, there were some people that got cost big in this one, especially people who just picked their games in chronological order. You mentioned that earlier. You know, by this point in bowl season, people were laying their 30-point values after we had a lot of cancellations. And at that point, when you're laying 30 points on either Oklahoma State or Notre Dame, in my opinion, that's way too many points on either one of these teams and what I thought was going to be a very competitive game, and that proved out. Yeah, and Marcus Freeman took first L of his career. He learned the hard way that getting out 14 to nothing early in college football means pretty much absolutely nothing. We got to see both Jekyll and Hyde Spencer Sanders. The first, like, 20 minutes of the game, terrible. And then the rest of the way was incredible. I actually switched to the Pokes about three or four days before the game. I was reminded of a stat that... Gundy was like 11 and two in bowl games. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this guy's going to find a way to win. You know, the mullet's going to win this one. And so <laughs> I switched it, even though it was low. Definitely. Alan, another one that would have really put us in a good position. Both of us put a value pick on picking Utah over Ohio state. Instead, this one goes the other way with the Buckeyes coming away with a 48-45-1. This one marred just a little bit by Cam Rising going down with an injury in the second half. But I wasn't watching this game closely, but I'm not sure that really changed things because Ohio State really gained control in the second half. But at one point, man, we looked like we were in a great, great spot with this one with the Utes leading by 14 at halftime. And really, a couple of days before this one, I started thinking about my odds of trying to make a comeback and finish right at the top of the board. And instead of having 
having this one at a relatively low value, I pushed this one all the way up to the top because I thought, man, this is one that I absolutely have to hit on if I'm going to finish up at the top. And with less than, say, 20% of people picking Utah, I thought I may as well, if I have to hit on it, hit on it at a high value. I think I ended up with Utah at a 23, and it just felt like it slipped through my fingertips. Had it gone down the right way, then I think that I'm in a position where I might very well have a chance to win this group here as we close out bowl season. Yep. So in my opinion, my bowl season hinged on three games. It was this one, the Tennessee game and the Iowa State game. And I whiffed on all three, all three incredibly close games. And actually, this was the most egregiously bad clock management at the end of the game that maybe I've ever seen by Kyle Whittingham. He's obviously an incredibly good and gifted coach, but he literally gave Ohio State the ability to just end the game and just walk it off on a guy that had gone 19 of 20 for the year in field goals and basically kicking an extra point. Didn't use his three timeouts. I mean, I don't know if he thinks that you can take those into the afterlife with you into Mormon land or not, but like it was nuts. It was terrible, but it was an incredible Rose Bowl game and just fell on the wrong side for us. Alan, another one, we had Baylor on top of Ole Miss. This one marred again by another injury. Matt Corral goes down with, what was it? I think it was a sprained ankle talked about after the game. So not an incredibly bad injury, but definitely one that you would have liked to see at least the game play out with the best player on the field and see how that game turned out. But I was on the side of Baylor. This one came out in my favor. A low-scoring game, something that I wasn't really anticipating out of this one. I told my wife, Lauren, right before the game started, she's an Ole Miss fan. And I was like, I just think this one is going to end up being a really low scoring game because Ole Miss has played some of those games this year, whereas last year was all shootouts all the time for Ole Miss. But this year they've played in some more of those defensive battles. DJ Durkin's defense has played much better. But once Corral went down, this thing was over. It's such a shame that that happened ruined a what could have been a really great game but i'm grateful it wasn't anything that's going to affect his draft stock because that would have been devastating most definitely alan another one that was a value pick for you you took kentucky over iowa and uh, it paid off for you the wildcats coming away with a 20 to 17 win i ended up going with the wildcats at a pretty high level as well and man this one early looked like kentucky had complete control of it then in the second half, it flipped, and the Hawkeyes looked like they were going to take this thing and run away with it Ooh. before Kentucky got a late score to win the game. This, I think, maybe was my favorite game of bowl season. Uh, just a, a remarkable game. Wondell Robinson, I want him on my NFL team like yeah. any day of the week. That dude is absolutely a warrior. Just a really, really fun game. A tale of two halves. But Kentucky gets the the Big Ten win season. Mark Stoops is a really, really good coach. They are figuring it out a little bit at a time. They kind of revolutionized that offense this year, and uh, it really started to pay off for them. And they figured out, like you said, to figure out a way to get to 10 wins and uh, move on into another season where, you know, they could be returning a lot of that talent into next year, especially if uh, it depends on what kind of feedback Wandale Robinson gets from the NFL. I tend to think he's going to be off to the NFL, but if he were to come back, man, this Kentucky team could be looking at good things next year as well. 
as long as Will Levis becomes more consistent. That dude is nauseatingly inconsistent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm with you, but I think he started showing signs of improvement deeper into the season, and I think some of that was shown in this game as well. Uh, Yeah, I would agree. He he, he played a pretty good game. His early part of the game was great, and then the end of the the game was great, but some of the in-between is just like, oh my goodness. Sure, and he does miss an open guy every once in a while where you just want to pound your head against a wall because you're going, goodness gracious, just drop the ball in there. (laughs) (laughs) Alan, one more game to talk about that we've seen already hashed out. Another form of Wildcats, this one from Kansas State. They just drubbed LSU 42 to 20, but this is one where, man, the Tigers of LSU had a whole bunch of opt-outs. There were rumors floating around that they only had like 35 scholarship players available for this game, and it really showed on the field. And this was one where I flipped late because of all the opt-outs. I flipped late putting Kansas State at the highest value I had remaining. It was only a 10, but I'm glad I did it because it was worthwhile to pay attention to the opt-outs and everything going on with LSU. Yeah, I should have done it. I should have pushed it up, but I didn't. I just kept it at a two. Obviously, an overwhelmingly undermanned LSU team. I appreciate the fact that they still played the game, though. I very much respect that. They didn't cancel it like some of the other bowl games did. Kudos to Kansas State, getting a big win. But I only had that game at a two, and I regret not pushing it up at the last minute. Yeah, it certainly would have benefited. And there were a lot of people on the Tigers that weren't tracking with some of these team information things going around. And uh, that'll certainly cost you late in a bowl season pick that we are involved in here on the Blackout. As you listen to the show, know next we have coming up a pick pod where Alan and I are going to give you our national championship picks. Of course, we gave those to you on the Pick'em Pod starting bowl season, but we're going to talk about whether anything has changed in the meantime. We're also going to give you a score prediction because of those tiebreakers that apply in the ESPN Bowl Mania. That will determine, help determine at the very least, our top five finishers who are going to walk away with some prizes here with our contest on the best college football Pick'em Pod in the land. Of course, you can always follow us on the show by following the Blackout at the Blackout Pod on both Facebook and Twitter. You can find Alan at AD on the Blackout, and you can find myself at TB on the Blackout. Alan, it's been a blast. One more Pick'em Rewind in the books, and now we head off to the last Pick'em Pod of the college football season. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.